about education. I care about helping people figure out what they're doing in life, even if it's just for the day. And uh, so I started, I, I got into the habit of starting companies and I uh, started a company in education planning, uh, actually helping students to figure out, you know, life after high school, whether they're high school kids or college kids or uh, the oldest person I've helped is 57 years old this year. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to the Sebi Podcast show, people. That was Larry Jones and the Alchemist, 60 Days, one of the vibes that's been going crazy the last month or so. Um, I'm here. I'm your, I'm your host for the day, Mike Gray. Sebi can't be here today. He's taking care of other business, but have no further. We have a, a, a very special guest, someone I, someone that's a, a good brother to me. He's um, He knows his sports stuff. He, I enjoy his topics. I enjoy having conversations with him about any type of sports and, and picking his brain and perspective on certain things. He just started writing uh, for the Sebi podcast and doing articles and things like that. Make no further, but I'm here with my brother Tyrone Winston out of out of Phoenix, Arizona. How you doing, brother? Man, I, I'm doing good. I, I I know you are close to my family because you always mix up me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 always, bro. Always, I, I say, yo, always, bro. When we first started in the group chat, man, it was it was it was common. That I that I would call you Tyrone and call Tyrone Tyrell. It was it was just it took a second to really get y'all understanding because all all y'all damn it damn it all of y'all are Winston. Yeah, so, yep. So it's just you know so that's that's dope, man. Glad to have you on the show, man. How you feeling today? 
Nah, good man. I'm 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 ready to kick off this sports. That's that's it. The talk. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man, hundred percent, man. We got a lot of stuff going on, but let's start. Let's start with the NBA. Things are starting to kick up, bro. We got about 16, 17 games left in the regular. No, I'm lying. We got. We might have less than that. We might have about eleven games left in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I believe eleven, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about eleven. About eleven games left in the regular season. The West is about as close as it's probably ever been. From the point you get to, you get to about the the four seed all the way down to the ten seed. You're talking about six teams that can potentially go from tenth place to fourth place within a few games. It's that close in the race. How do you see this Western Conference playing out? We know what the top teams are going to do. We know about the Nuggets. We know that the Grizzlies are more than likely going to stay afloat until Ja gets back. Where do you see those other teams playing out? The Warriors, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, all those teams that are in that mix, the Pelicans, those teams that are right there. How do you see this playing out as far as who eventually will get those top two seeds, the five and the six, and who will drop down to the seven and eight, nine and ten and have to play in the plan? For for me personally, I think that if there are any teams that have uh, some consistency playing together in that bottom half, then they should be somewhat more than fine. You do have uh, the Lakers who are talented, but haven't really been consistent, and every game feels like a playoff game for them. So mm-hmm. I think if if you've been riding with your same team all all season, unless you're on that younger end, like OKC, they could always uh, slip in and out. You know, Utah is – they're pretty young, like, you know, just based off of the trades that they made. But um, it, you just got to be consistent. This bottom half is really just about consistency. If you can if you can uh, keep a next-game mentality, it, it's, it's really anybody that could be in it. When I look at the situation like this in the West, especially with those bottom half teams, I'm, all, I'm looking at what team do I trust the most that has a, a, a nice balance – on both sides of the floor, um, a well-ran uh, a coaching staff, and who has the capability of getting not only getting into the playoffs, but who has the capability of actually making some noise when they get there, like like a, a team that can actually go on a legitimate run at the end of the season, a team that could that that that, that can that can climb their way out of the play-in, um, and one of those teams, as as crazy as it might sound to people, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. One of those teams is the Lakers. Hmm. The reason why I say that is because they have the balance. They got the young. They had too much old last year, last mm. two years. They had too much old old vets on their team. But that trade to, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, to me, was huge. It was almost mm-hmm. as good as any superstar they could have gotten in there because mm-hmm. you have a situation now where this is what you wanted. When you got rid of Carmelo Anthony in the offseason and you still had some pieces, what, what was the biggest key for the Lakers? They wanted to get younger. All mm-hmm. offseason, they wanted to get younger. They weren't able to do it in the offseason with the Russell Westbrook trade and everything. They weren't able, were able to make it out. So they waited to the trade deadline and they finally got younger. And they didn't just get they didn't just get anybody. They got some of the top players, top young role players at their positions. You're talking about Vanderbilt, what he does on the defensive side of the floor. Offensively, he's gonna get looks and open looks and opportunities playing with the Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Malik Beasley, he's a he's a very good three and D guy. Very good defensively. Um, and very streaky offensively as well when it comes to shooting. And we know what D'Angelo Russell is. Your favorite player, he's someone who has – is it safe to say that a lot of a lot of his career has been under, underrated, especially since the 
especially since the whole situation with Nick Young, with his first departure with the Lakers. I would I would say it's safe to say that that his his run since then has been very underrated, and now you have him at, at a at a at the the point where he's almost at the prime of his career, and that that takes some of the some of the point guard duties off of LeBron James, and mm-hmm. it opens up and that pick and roll with Anthony Davis is lethal. So I, so my thing is to me the Lakers are one of the teams that if they were to slip in, they're the one team that I believe that can actually do something to make some noise. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's 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 funny that you say that because I I mean man you you already know I love the addition of D'Angelo <laughs> I love it but it's it's honestly it puts him in a position to be more of himself although he got like more responsibilities than say a Jordan Clarkson you know when he's on the floor there's no question of what you need D'Lo to do now because you have the likes of Anthony Davis you have great role players who can defend. And you can you can put it you can put D'Lo in when he's hot and if and if he's cold you can take him out at the right time. I do feel like there's uh you know the we still run with um how the highs and lows of how AD is performing. You kind of need great games out of him, um but but a lot of these regular season games are are feeling like playoff playoff games. And in my experience personally, I haven't seen D'Lo in too many of those scenarios, even for the regular season. It's been a few in his young career, but this is a, this is an opportunity for, for everybody, like, you know, to really show what they got it. I, I, I say you're playing for the playoffs in the regular season. And when the playoffs start, you're playing for next season in the playoffs. I just mean that by, by saying everybody who performs well will have an opportunity to return, and and that's more important than this year. Yeah, it is. It is. <clears throat> what, what do you think? Of, what do you think about the Golden State Warriors over the last? Because to, to me, bro, over the last two weeks, they've they they, they I'm seeing I'm seeing I've, I've started to come to the realization that they might actually be in trouble. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on the Warriors? The, well, if you're they they already have the issue on the road, and since they're not undefeated at home, then there's an issue at home as well. But sure. you, uh, it's to to me, I kind of I, I kind of look at it. I mean, they don't have KD, but if you remember that year where everybody was kind of questioning, you know, what they do, and then the whole like, you know, who I am, I'm Kevin Durant. It's 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 that situation uh, for the Warriors. Like until they've proven, like you know, that they can't. Uh, get themselves out of any situation, then you kind of just got to rely on uh, history, you know. And I, I wouldn't put any young team past them, but if you're a young team and the first matchup is the Golden State Warriors, whether they having a bad, you know, a bad week, bad month or not, that's still a tough matchup. Oh, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for anybody. I, I just, like, like for, for example, if they were to match up, because right now they're the sixth seed and the Sacramento Kings are the three seed. Right now, they would have to face the Sacramento Kings, in the mm-hmm. if the playoffs started today, I would I would pick the Golden State Warriors to beat the Sacramento Kings because the Sacramento Kings have nobody on that roster outside of Sabonis that has legit playoff experience, and he doesn't even have legit playoff experience. He's never gotten out of the first round. So mm-hmm. this Sacramento team, to me, that youth, although it can be a good thing coming in there with house money playing with, I just I wouldn't pick them against Steph. I wouldn't do it because I've seen Steph too many times in the playoffs. I've seen Klay Thompson too many times in the playoffs, and the way he's playing recently, I do believe there's there's a there's room um, 
in that round, I, I think the best matchup for the Warriors would be the Sacramento Kings out of anybody uh, to face. Because mm-hmm. if they play the Kings, that'll, that, that, that'll be a nice young uh, team to go against, uh, to compete against, to get you ready for the next round because it's only going to get worse from there. And that'll be a nice a nice round. They, I, I see the Kings pushing in the six, uh, maybe seven, maybe seven in that series, but p- potentially six. Mm-hmm. And and that would be good experience for them. If the Sacramento Kings go to the playoffs tomorrow, they'll be doing the first time that people have seen in over a decade. So, yeah. you know, it's always good to go into the playoffs with little expectation. Yes, it is. And sometimes that house money thing is right. But I want to address your point, what you said about the Warriors, because I think <laughs> one of the most underrated factors of this dynastic run that they've been on since 2015 is the fact that they have, they have they're one of the most Mentally tough teams that I've ever been around, even mm-hmm. even without KD, like they've they've overcome a lot. Like they over they over before they blew a three one lead in twenty sixteen, they overcame a three one lead against OKC. When they mm-hmm. won the chip, they came in and won twenty four straight games. After everybody said, "Oh, y'all would y'all y'all would y'all wouldn't have won that ring if Kyrie wouldn't have got hurt and Kevin Love wouldn't have gotten hurt and things like that." So they've had situations in the past where they've shown you that they can overcome from adversity. I've seen I've seen them do it a, a few times just against tough teams in the playoffs, winning tough rounds and stuff like that. This team is is much more mentally tough than you think. Usually we equate uh, shooting and top shooters with finesse, uh, but but there's a physicality that's that's been that's been um that's been uh, uh, attributed to this Warriors team. The mm-hmm. problem is I don't see enough of that physicality and that domination this year. Usually in the past, from about 2015 until I say last year. This was a team where if a team got hot in the first half on them, even if it was the regular season, if a team got hot on them in the first half, they knew how to bone up in that third quarter and the fourth quarter and really and really bone and really lock in defensively. Mm-hmm. I don't see enough of that this year at all, actually. If anything, mm-hmm. I see the opposite. I see teams turning up more in the second half on them. And that's something different um, with this Warrior squad this year compared to their, their run. Mm-hmm. Which is giving me some calls to pause if they were to make it to the second round or one of those top teams. I think it would be very tough for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you, the they're they're not a perfect team right now, and 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 since you're the defending champs, like you know, all the pressure is on you. So it's it's. I mean, I can't even. Let's say if they were to you know go out there and compete, would they show us anything different than what they've done over the last few years? Like. Uh, they they may just need a new motivation, and sometimes you find that you know in the middle of the pursuit. So, I I, I really I really want to see how it go, but uh, but as far as like what I'm excited to see, I mean I, we we've seen the Warriors do what the Warriors do. I want to see some of these young teams, you know, go at it and 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 go hard when it comes to competing on that on that level. So, the the Warriors they'll they'll figure it out, but right now I don't think they have that motivation that they're looking for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's let's shift let's shift over to the Eastern Conference, where it's getting pretty hectic. It's getting pretty hectic over there. You got the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, uh, the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Heat, those teams like that. The Knicks who are in playoff contention, um, and not contention, they're actually in the playoffs right now. Julius Randle had a monster game last night. Uh, career high fifty seven points, even though they're in a loss to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um. It was that that was a high scoring ball game. High scoring ball game, one forty to one thirty four. What what are your um what's your take on the East and how and how things are looking over there and who 
who who's the dark horse team in, in, in your view? The East, I, I love the East brand of basketball. Uh you know, when, when Braun was over there, they didn't get the the necessary re- respect that, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference didn't get the necessary respect that it needed. But now that the, the star power is so balanced on that, on that side of the coast that uh, you can kind of just see, you know, where, where, uh, how basketball is being played. I feel like the games are all, always tighter. I mean, you had um, the Knicks put up, uh, you know, 140, uh, 134 to 140, I believe, against the Timberwolves. And then in, a, in another game, you got the Bulls going at it with another team in a double OT where uh, by the time the second OT came around, it was only 99-99. Like, that's really the brand right. basketball on the East Coast. That's why I really don't like to say, you know, when they, they uh, talk about the defense in the current NBA, it's just – it's so it's so many talented teams, even when you're not winning, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you what do you think about that notion that that the players in the league today play no defense? I I I don't uh I see it like you know, but I just I just don't agree because you just you literally can't find the time to do that every night on, you know, 82 games in a season. So if, if they feel, if you feel that the defense needs to be better then almost like, you know, the, the players that we are, we are allowed to, you know, the players that we see in the league kind of needs to expand a little bit more. Not that it isn't a diverse league, but just more so in the sense that, there are there you you used to go out and find a player that all his job was to do and go play defense like you know now you literally have to know how to do everything to even qualify to be in the NBA you know so it's you got to you got to go go after those players that really want it and the and the people that's going to put up points are going to put up points because at the end of the day that's that's what the game is about a bucket yeah do you believe the offensive prowess of a lot of these players has taken the onus away from them uh, as much defensively, like, like for example, Kawhi Leonard, he came into the league as as a great defender, and when he got to the league, um, after a couple of years, he became one of the best defenders in basketball, and he had a stretch, about a five five year stretch, where he was arguably one of the best one of the best overall defenders in basketball. Um, would, uh, but but since he's left, sent the Spurs and went to the Raptors, and and then now he's with the Clippers. Since he's left the Spurs, his offensive uh, responsibility has gotten much better since his improvement with this game. So. Um, his defense has dropped off a bit. Uh, do you believe that players like Kawhi Leonard and others, and especially in this generation, do you believe the onus has been more so um, – a lot, a lot of their defensive um, deficiencies have been because of the offensive uh, prowess that, that they've um, attributed to their game? Yeah, for uh, for sure. I mean, especially with the, the whole exchange of uh... – you know, threes for twos, or you know, and vice versa. How, however, you need to say it, but it's right. it's like, uh, you know, the the people are are more willing to uh, to go for the three point shot than the two point shot. So when you're playing the best defense of your life, like you know, and and you're only you know responding with a a, a two point play, it's 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 kind of like all right, like where can we get our role players to come in and and play that uh, that scheme defense so we can just have a night where Kawhi can go for a necessary thirty six, you know Paul George can go for a necessary uh, thirty five, and and um, I mean you 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 got the addition of uh, Russell Westbrook who who's been pre- shooting like you know pretty pretty efficient and is 
is those are those all missed shots or is some of that, you know, what I mean, tough defense, even if the defense is to leave him open. Like, you know, what I mean, if they're leaving Russ open, that means somebody else is being double team. You know, it's it just look different these days. Yeah. And your mm-hmm. and your, your your inability to shoot, whether it's from the three point line or the mid range at almost any position now, you're almost you're almost being weeded out of the NBA at this mm-hmm. point in time. So I, I definitely get that point. Um you know, I've I've noticed that over time over time as well. It seems like those type of guys are being weeded out, those guys that can't shoot and things of that nature. Even the big they want the they almost want the bigs to shoot consistently uh now nowadays. So yeah, it's a different league. It's definitely it's definitely a different league is now. What do you what um uh what's 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 the what's staying what's staying in the NBA? We'll we'll talk about some um so, so some other stuff in the NBA going on. Right now we got the NBA Eastern Conference. Who's that dark? Who's that dark horse team in either conference that you see that can really uh, really make some noise and really shake some things up? Uh, I I I'm not sure if they are a dark horse, but I feel like they should be considered one just because they haven't reached that uh that that uh mountaintop yet. But uh, I I really like the 76ers. I really like the year that uh Joel Embiid is having. You know, sometimes it's not really about um you know, what team that you got, but sometimes the story, uh, you know, behind what you're doing, it just makes sense for it to be that year. Like at a certain point uh, last season, you know, it just made more sense that Curry was going was going to get that uh, fourth, fourth championship. He was finally going to get that finals MVP. You know, they even added accolades uh, throughout his journey so he could add on to that. So, a really good dark horse would be the 76ers. I'm not sure if, if by popular opinion they're they're considered one, but if you have all these exciting teams with the Bucks, uh, you know, um uh the Cavaliers and um the Miami Heat, of course, who have been struggling, but you know, you know, everybody knows about playoff Jimmy. When you got, you know, uh those those teams on on that side. It gives it takes a little bit of pressure off. Like, you know, I haven't last year we used to uh emphasize a night where James Harden, you know, would have a triple double, but it'd be eleven points, ten rebounds, ten assists. Now it's like, you know, where we really appreciate, you know, the the not not the high volume shots and just uh you know just being tr- strategic and having the IQ like he doesn't necessarily have to be the James Harden of uh of Houston and uh, in Philly anymore but I really want to see where that goes I know people kind of you know uh banking on that matchup between the Bucks and in uh in Philly but I mean just to see and B's game you know just blossom again you know in the playoffs would be would be a really nice run mm-hmm it definitely would. It definitely would be good to see that. When we come back, when we come back, folks, we're gonna transition over to college basketball and a lot of the, the the frenzy that's going on with the upsets and the number ones that have been knocked out and stuff like that. We'll talk about some college basketball when we come back. back here with segment two on the Sebi podcast show i'm here with tyrell uh i'm here hosting i'm your host mike tyrell we had some crazy college basketball man it was some crazy basketball we had some number ones go down we saw 
Kansas go down to Arkansas. We saw Kentucky went down. Uh, you know, it, it was some, it was some, it was some teams, man. It was some teams that that, that, that definitely went down. Uh, I saw Michigan State advance. They beat Marquette. Um, they knocked off the two seed. Uh, you, you know how I feel about Izzo. You know I love me some time Izzo in the tournament. So I'm always <laughs> rocking with Michigan State. But um, we also got teams like Princeton, who's uh, <laughs> come out of nowhere and they they've done their thing. They won they won their first game. Uh, in the upset, and then they came back and they dominated Missouri. Like, it wasn't; it was one of those games where they absolutely dominated. I, I just saw a team that played so free, that played out there with house money. They just played so confident, like they had nothing to lose, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, what was your What was your biggest surprise or biggest take from this uh, this weekend in March Madness? For for March Madness, I feel I feel like every year is a surprise, especially how people uh, bracket go, but um. <laughs> It was I, I just I just really want to say I liked it. I like uh, that we got a Big Ten in the because I'm a Big Ten fan, so I like that we have Big Ten in there. And then for Princeton, it's not a a school that for, uh, people first think of when it comes to you know the tri-state area and basketball, but that's just good for tri-state and, and, and you know the state of basketball in that area because I've I've seen it up close and personal. You have too, and it's like. You know, sometimes we get that uh that underdog, you know, just like underdog underground type of vibes as far as the the style of play. So um, if if uh, I could see you know those two teams compete a little bit longer, uh, that would be fine. I really uh it was really you know outside what what comes uh, off the floor, you know, with the coaching, some of the moves that was made. That that kind of surprised me the most. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was definitely with that. Um, what you think about Arkansas's coach getting hyped as hyped as he was, taking his shirt off the, of the crowd, going crazy? You know, just beating beating that number one team, beating um, Kansas the way they did that one point leader do missing free throws um, at the end like that. Uh, just talk about the emotions that, that 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 coach had to be going through. It's it's necessary because I mean stuff like that you just never know when when you'll see it again. Uh, I had a had a brother that played uh, Division One football and you know he really didn't want to go because uh, you know he wasn't getting the playing time in the rotation. But it's just like when will you ever you know get to play D one Division college football again? So you know when you having those moments you gotta you gotta take it take it in. And I I, I like a player's coach. You know somebody who can uh, get comfortable. Man, I was really rooting for Maryland against Alabama. When I saw those number ones going down and I saw Maryland was playing Alabama, I was rooting for the Terps. I thought they was going to get it done potentially. Um, but Alabama's too strong. They were too strong inside. They have too many knockdown shooters. Um, you know, they got Pringle. He's he's he's, he's nice. Uh, they, they, got, they, got some, they, got, they got some solid players. Some solid players on this bunch, some solid players on this team. Um, <laughs> does Alabama – Whole fort, and um, do do they potentially get get all the way to the final four? Honestly, nah. <laughs> I'm 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 a, I'm a big I'm a big believer in the blue bloods. You know, like you might you might have those. It's nice to have those uh those Cinderella stories, but I mean, even what last year came down to uh to Kansas and North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's like you know it it. When it comes to competing for chips, that's really what the Blue Bloods do. But all of these stories are nice, for sure. <laughs> so it's just a story. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that, man. Some tough games coming up. Some real, some real tough games. Uh, I like Michigan State a lot. Uh, as you see, they knocked off two seed in Marquette. <clears throat> Tom Izzo in the tournament to me just turns up to another level when he gets his teams right. And um, I, I thought Sunday was a no, almost a no brainer. And um, and they handled they handled their business as such. Uh, so look out for Michigan State this year. That they have some they have some nice talent. Uh, from from the start of the season, they've been playing pretty solid. They have, they have some up and down moments, but uh, this Michigan State team, to me, they're, they're they're a pretty solid bunch, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make it up. Mm, de- definitely, uh, the best one I've seen since uh, the year they had Cassius Winston, and I think they might have failed to uh, to Duke or yeah, uh, one of those teams. Yeah, no, no, they they actually beat Duke that year. That was the year that they they beat Duke in DC. They beat Zion and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they lost. They lost. They ended up losing, if I'm not mistaken, in the Elite Eight. Um, yeah. That year, yeah, they they ended up losing. So mm-hmm. it was interesting, man. I think I think this the college basketball realm, like you said, it always it's always bright, a bracket buster. It's always an upset, and I think this year is is obviously no different. But uh, we had it in the first weekend. We didn't even wait to the second round. Once we get to this weekend, I don't believe there's a, a such thing as an upset at this point. I believe every team that's, that gets here deserves to be here, and um, it's all about matchups at that point. Do you have, uh, you know, not necessarily the schools that's in uh, that's playing right now, but like as far as like college hoops, do you have a uh, any any of your favorite programs that you like to watch? Uh, growing up, I always loved watching Georgetown just because I grew up in DC. Like watching mm-hmm. like Georgetown was a prominent uh, staple in basketball. If you were if you were anywhere in the basketball community or anywhere in the basketball space, but in the DMV area, Georgetown was something that was brought up tremendously. You saw it, you saw the memorabilia all over. You always saw the merchandise. You always saw the the um, the bulldog. You you know what I'm saying. You went to the games. If you ever went to the games, you you just the, the energy and the electricity was crazy. So, and you know John Thompson, the John Thompson Senior, he was a staple. So like it's Georgetown basketball is DC, so I always rooted for them growing up. I love watching. I love when Allen Iverson went there. Uh, my pops used to tell me stories about that stuff. I never got a chance to see him live, obviously, but you know, just just going back to see the highlights, he was the first player that I saw at Georgetown that was like, wow, he was he was real good. So now Georgetown is one of those teams, but I've always loved Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. Michigan State, like Michigan State for some reason. Like I've always found myself rooting for them. Um, in the tournaments, is that under like that underdog, almost like an underdog role sometimes. Like when they were dominating, he was great, but it was like no matter what the situation was, whether they were a top seed or a bottom seed, in a sense, they were they were always competitive and always right there. So to me, Michigan State has always been the team I root for. That's why I love Tom Izzo so much. So yeah, if I had to go with two teams in college, I'll probably go on basketball level. I'll probably go them two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And recently, VCU since I've been covering them for the last five five years or so. Yeah, VCU, you you put me on too. That was a, that was a great experience. Yeah, that that vibe, that vibe and electricity is amazing. If anybody in the Richmond area or has ever or anybody who travels and has never gotten a chance to experience a VCU game and you love the college basketball space, I currently I thoroughly advise you to go to the Seagull Center. You will love it. You'll love the energy in there. It's one of the best home crowds in college basketball. They get busy in the Seagull Center. So definitely go out there to Richmond, Virginia and tap into a VCU game, home game, um, if you haven't gotten a chance to. Uh, Mike Rhodes and those guys are doing a hell of a job. They just lost in their first round matchup to St. Mary's. Uh, The first game, Ace Baldwin got hurt in the second half. I believe if he didn't get hurt, the game potentially could have went different. But 
Uh, we'll, never, we'll never know. But all in all, I still believe they had a great season. Ace Baldwin still won. Uh, AC, um, he won the A-10 Player of the Year, and he won Defensive Player of the Year all in one season. So he had a tremendous season along with some other players for that team. Mike Rose, Mike Rose did another tremendous job leading them to the number one squad, the number one seed, uh, uh, 24 and seven record this year. So uh, VCU to me is in good hands. They're, they're a program that with all this transfer portal stuff going on, they're a team to me that has has found a way to, to keep a lot of stability within the organization, uh, whether it's the head, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the players, uh, you know, people want to, people want to be there. They want to be at VCU. They want to stay there. And uh, they, they have a, a very, um, infectious aura about them you know so i like i like how they do business over there they really treat the media with respect and love and uh you know it's it's all love over there mm-hmm. you know but uh, but uh that's that wraps up our segment two for college basketball when we get when we get back we will wrap things up on segment three with the nfl and everything that's been going on with free agency moves uh what we're, what we're expecting uh going into this upcoming uh, uh season moving forward and um who who got signed and things like that. So look look forward to that coming up. special guest with us today none other than my man Zakaya. we call him zach the zach attack this guy right here is uh is one of the most influential guys that i've met in quite some time we got a chance to meet up in atlanta in uh during a actually a life insurance seminar um he is a all about academics nonprofit part of a great nonprofit. He is, he might just be a prophet. <laughs> you never know. But it's a pleasure to have you on, Zach. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure to take time out of your, you know, busy life and, and, and busy life with kids uh, to hop on the show with us today. Absolutely. You make me sound a whole lot fancier than I am, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we try to make sure that we uh, obviously give a brand spanking welcome to a lot of our, uh, you know, guests here on the show, um, Zach. And and it's quite funny. We met each other about, I would say, about close to a month ago, if I'm not mistaken. It might not even be a month ago in Atlanta. I just seen this short guy, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> looking, looking, you know, good and just has his swag with him. He's got a polo with him and, and tucked in. <laughs> We're talking about career planning, I'm like, who is this guy? I think we met by fate. We were supposed to meet today and engage and interact. And what can you say? You fast forward three weeks later and we're here. It's perfect. Absolutely beautiful. We met in line for coffee. It's a meet cute story, except uh, we're going to help a bunch of people instead of, you know, go on a bunch of dates and be in a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt, no doubt about that. So, Zach, um, talk to us, obviously, um, about your upbringing and, and a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do, what do you bring to the table, um, just so kind of some of our audience can know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a nerd. 
I uh, grew up in Colorado. Uh, after high school, I became an engineer because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I was told that if you're good at math, engineers have more fun. Uh, and that teacher's still a liar. Like, That's we not- have fun, but like, you major in engineering and you minor in chemical dependency. Uh, <laughs> but uh, after engineering, I, uh, I worked for the government for a while. And then I realized that I don't like engineering. Like, I'm great at it. I'm still a licensed engineer. I'll, I'll keep that going as long as I can. But uh, I care about education. I care about helping people figure out what they're doing in life, even if it's just for the day. And uh, so I started, I, I got into the habit of starting companies. And I uh, started a company in education planning, uh, actually helping students to figure out, you know, life after high school, whether they're high school kids or college kids or uh the oldest person I've helped is 57 years old this year. Uh, and then I went back to school to learn business because I felt like I should know something about business. And uh, now I'm in a doctorate program about college so that I can be a doc. Like if there's a doc, if someone ever is dying and they ask for a doctor in the building, I can't help. But if a college is dying, I may be able to help. Uh, and, th- but in 2020, I realized that, uh, the economic gap in education is, um, unacceptable. And, uh, and so I started looking at everything we could do to take our for-profit company and make it available to those who cannot afford it. And, um, uh, started a nonprofit to try and, right the wrongs as much as I can. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. You're about, um, share with us your story because I think it's it's pretty unique when you come from, especially you, right? Obviously you come from a great household, going to school, getting, uh, becoming an engineer and being successful. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and how difficult it is to just leave such a lucrative, profitable, uh, industry like that to just say, you know what, I want to start a nonprofit for something bigger, for something of change to impact lives when it comes to uh, high schoolers or, 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 or children in general, academically, schematically, being able to do that. Talk to us a little bit about that and some of the drawbacks and the challenges that lies with it. Yeah. So the the biggest thing I had going for me growing up was that my folks believed in me and they set the standard that I was going to college. They said, as soon as I finished high school, I was either going to be living in a dorm or I would be living in an apartment working, but I had six months to figure it out. Um, and I actually came, uh, I, I can't, I grew up in a, a rough neighborhood. My joke was always that half of my class had guns Half of my class had bullets and no one was smart enough to team up <laughs> <laughs> and uh, still not wrong. Like it, 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 it hasn't gotten better. Uh, 
Um, but that was the big opportunity I had was um, that I was raised with the idea that college was an option and an expectation and you know just you got to figure out what you're going to do and do it um and i did choose engineering because i was good at math and i i talked to my math teacher i said i'm good at math and i don't know what i'm doing in life and he gave he pointed me in a direction um the way i got into what i'm doing now was almost by accident um i happened to know someone in education who was uh, working for a different company, and they needed help editing some kid's essay who was applying to like Harvard or Yale or some fancy school like that. And uh, the person can't write, and I was the the one that they knew with the best writing skill, and so I helped this kid get into school, and then I started doing that more and more. And I realized that I enjoyed it. And uh, it actually created a bit of a, a quandary for me because, like you said, I had, a, I had a cushy gig. I was an engineer for the government. Like, I didn't make a ton of money, but the benefits, ooh, buddy. Yeah, you not beat that at all. <laughs> I mean, I was getting, like, three months of paid vacation a year. And... Uh, but what I realized is that I didn't like the job. And uh, I, there are two, when everyone's looking at the future, everyone thinks about the career, they don't think about the job. And the, the two go hand in hand. And so the career of an engineer sounds glorious. Oh, you're an engineer, you design stuff and whatever the job gets different and the job I was in was not one that I, I liked, uh, but I liked helping students and I liked helping them figure things out. And uh, when the time came that I quit my job and started, you know, I, I did the classic route. I did, I created the side hustle. I, worked all day and then I would work 10 hours at night, like operating on four hours of sleep. My wife did not like me for a little bit because I'm not the nicest person when I don't sleep. You know, like I stopped talking and I just kind of grunt, you know, like, hey, how's your day at work? Uh. <laughs> but um, you get to a point where the side hustle is strong enough to support you and you get to a point where uh, it, it almost feels like a go test. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the go test. No, actually I'm not. Enlighten us about that. It, uh, so Coach Dan John, uh, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches of all time, Absolutely. Uh, he talks about yeah, the go test. Huh? Damon John? Uh, Dan John. Oh, Dan. He, uh, Coach Dan John, he, he ends up writing a lot of uh, articles for, like, T Nation and stuff like that. Uh, but he's a strength and conditioning coach. I think he um, 
did a ton with uh, weightlifting, uh, powerlifting, uh, stuff like that, uh, track and field, uh, and uh, I was at a workshop that he was leading uh, because one of the things I did as one of the side hustles is uh, coaching and personal training. And he talked about the go test and he said, the majority of people who come into the gym, you ask how they're feeling, you know, is the workout good? Is it too hard? You know, on a scale of one to 10. And he said with the pro athletes though, it's one question. Can you go? It's not how do you feel? It's not how did you sleep? It's not how did you eat the other day? You know, how are you getting on with your significant other? It's can you go or not? And for me, very, uh, uh, very specifically, after that workshop, a situation presented itself and it was a go test. And it was that moment where Everything in me was screaming to change and an opportunity came and it was like, well, do I commit to this new future or not? Um, it is the third time in my life that I've uh, had that. It was, at the time, it was my third time. Uh, the first time was when I uh, knew I would drop out of grad school. The second time is when I knew that I would marry my wife. And then this was the third time. Uh, and all I heard was Coach Dan John in my head saying, you know, are you going to, are you go, can you go? And I said, yeah. And I gave myself four weeks to get everything done that I needed to get done. And I booked a trip that I could not afford to meet with some partners that did not know me. And it skyrocketed everything. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive there for sure. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show live and streaming here on WNSC Radio weekly. We are live here in 18 different platforms worldwide. Please don't forget to subscribe and like as a listener and a viewer. If you do not do so, I will be implying that you are a hater. Not like haters here on the Sebi <laughs> Back here, Zach, with you, nearly 700 miles north in Tennessee. Talk to us a little bit about that, right? Tennessee, you, you move from the Great West, move east here into Tennessee. Um, talk to us about that, and, and obviously with your lovely wife, your two-year-old that you have now. Um, life as a Tennessean, uh, how is that? It, uh, so I came to Tennessee for grad school. It uh, traded the Rocky Mountains for the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. I would not trade them back. For the record, Colorado is still one of the greatest places in the world, hands down. Can't afford to live there anymore, but one of the greatest places in the world, and I will never move back. Wow. Um, just fell in love with the Smokies. And... Uh, Tennessee life is good, though. It um, There's a difference in the way people move and talk. And it, it's this way anywhere, right? Like, if you look at New York versus California versus Boston versus Georgia, Texas, like, every state has their own 
subculture. Uh, and Tennessee is just beautiful. I don't agree necessarily with uh, everything that happens in this state. Uh, just going to put that out there, but not going to pursue it. Um, but by and large, especially in East Tennessee, uh, it's, it's just wonderful. And I met my wife out here in grad school, and then uh, we've built just a phenomenal life. And uh, until we take over the world, I think this will probably be our our headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt about that. Definitely there for sure. You're doing some great things in the community, especially with your nonprofit. I'm a huge advocate for um, academics and academics as a whole. So I am a proud supporter on what you're doing. Um, so quick question here. Let's dig dive to what I do best. Uh, obviously, you're from Colorado um, and now you live in the great state of Tennessee. Um, so uh, are you a Nuggets and Denver Broncos fan or have you moved aside to be a Grizzlies and a Tennessee Titans fan? What, what, how does that situation you gamble? That's what you guys do best. But sports uh, fan. So when it comes to sports, um, pro sports, I'm a Colorado fan. College sports, I'm a Tennessee fan. Yes, Colorado. I was all about the pro sports. Came out to Tennessee, and everything was pure college sports. Um, Colorado was never big in the college thing, or at least you go to an engineering school. You we're not known for you know playing sports. <laughs> we'll calculate the physics of throwing a ball before we actually throw it. Um, but then came out here, and everything. Uh, the first time I, I was in Tennessee for a football game, it looked like Chester the Cheetah just got sick everywhere. There was orange as far as you could see. Yeah, yeah they're huge. <laughs> real huge on that. Real, real huge on that there for sure. It, you, you're pretty much baited in being a uh, falls <laughs> as soon as state <laughs> of Tennessee uh, there for sure. But hey, I guess it works out for you, right? I mean, Peyton went, is an alum of Tennessee, and obviously he came to Denver uh, as your quarterback, won a Super Bowl there. So I, I guess you get, the, you get the best of both worlds there. It was the best indeed, because that was the first time that Colorado sports were broadcast in Tennessee. And so it, uh, for the majority of the time I was out here, uh, I could never catch a Broncos game unless I had enough money to spend on a special sports package. And, uh, but as soon as Peyton joined the Broncos, I was able to watch, watch every, every week. <laughs> every, every week there for sure. Uh, definitely taking advantage of that uh, Sunday ticket from DirecTV, huh? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt about there that there for sure so this is the time obviously that we love with our guests um we, we love to play a nice game it's a very easy game it's called this or that it's either called overrated or underrated um so i'm just gonna throw out some scenarios and then you tell me which ones you like best all right here we go Brilliant. physics or 
or calculus. Oh, gross. Physics. <laughs> oh, really? I almost failed calculus. Dang. I actually almost failed, failed physics also. My teacher asked me uh, in the middle of the student union, yelled across the student union asking, how did you pass my class? Yeah. And uh, I yelled back that I failed and I'd see him next year. <laughs> that's funny that's funny how about this um if you have a chance to be a gm of any team in colorado what would that franchise be Ooh, avalanche oh they are nice man they right. the colorado avalanche man you know I, i'm i'm a <laughs> psa uh, I'm close here to Tampa area. Tampa was supposed to three P, but these guys came in and said no. Like they are <laughs> that avalanche. They 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 really come in waves and make you feel like an avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> they they did they did work. <laughs> that's that's interesting. You said the avalanche. Why? It um they uh I don't know what it is. So I I've always enjoyed the hockey games a bit more. And um, I feel like of the teams, they would be the one that I'd have to work the least at. Right. So, right. so the key is I'm late. <laughs> Already. Yeah, no, those guys are, are really good. Something about that energy in that, in that, that building too, man. All those playoff games last year were all sold out. I mean, it's crazy. Um, definitely there for sure. Those those Colorado fans show out there as well. Um, this or that, the 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 Rocky Mountains or the Smoky Mountains? Ooh, Smoky Mountains. Wow, Smoky Mountains. The Rockies are beautiful. They're better for skiing. They're majestic, and the Smokies are sweeter. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true because you get to go in spring and summer and just hang out there in the cabins. Uh, very there as well. That's a really nice. Uh, here's a good one. Um, skiing or sledding? Ooh, so I'm going to go sledding because growing up, I couldn't afford to ski. Uh, but as long as you have a piece of cardboard, you can sled down pretty much anything. Uh, and uh, it doesn't snow much in East Tennessee, but when it does, the kids will cli uh, climb up to the top of the hill and sled down the street, and it's always fun to see them sled down the street and try to dodge the cars. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I've, I've never been skiing or sledding. Uh, you got to give me some uh, some places to check out when I head to Colorado this year at the end of the year. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> there as well. Uh, here's the great debate. Here's the great debate that everybody in this millennial or in past millennials want to know. Who is better? LeBron James or Michael Jordan? So, like, I grew up watching Michael Jordan, but I'm going to have to say King James for the win. Wow. Okay. Okay. The, the, the question would be if Michael Jordan were to play, like, Michael Jordan in his prime playing now. I I think King James would probably 
with, with I think I gotta go with with LeBron. Gotta go with the King. What 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 do you think separates them, and and why you think LeBron is is, is better than Mike? It um, I think part of it, like I go back, I'll go back and watch some of the games uh, with Michael Jordan, and there are some things that, like some games where it feels like he gets away with a few things because it was Michael Jordan. Like no one wanted to be the guy who penalized him, right? Right, right, right. And so, like, I mean, he's always going to be the man, but I think from from the statistics and just looking at at the overall, I, I just got to go with with LeBron. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's. I, I think a lot of people are starting to to come around that. I, I believe LeBron is the best basketball player who ever lived. Um, you know, coming, first of all, you got a, you know, a guy that came straight out of high school. He didn't even go to college. Right. So he didn't get a chance to play college ball. Can you imagine if LeBron played college ball and before going to the league? And then not only that, um, he never had a, a, a Phil Jackson, never had a Greg Popovich as a coach. And, you know, LeBron has just been, he's been a model of consistency since day one. Right. And, Everything he's promised is delivered on, and you know Mike may be the the greatest accomplished, but but I I I think LeBron might be the better overall player when you think about longevity. You think about being able to do more around the basketball because he's bigger, you know. So that yeah. that. Well, I mean, if you look at the totals, like per game, Jordan tends <clears throat> tends to do better than. LeBron, but if you look at the actual totals, LeBron's got Jordan smacked in so many areas. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. Definitely there for sure. Well, you know, I don't. It's been a pleasure to have you on here on the show with us. I know you're in a crunch schedule here, uh, Zach, but obviously we want to commend you from taking just a little bit of time to come on our platform and share with us and enlighten us some of the things that you do. Um, and folks, if you want to connect furthermore with Zach, the social media handle or the description to connect with him will be in the description box below and you guys can connect with them. But before you leave, please share with us some of our audience where they can find you, how they can get connected with you, how some of their students or some of their kids can connect with you academically with your nonprofit or support or of any sort. Absolutely. So we are true to name when it comes to nonprofit. And as good as I am at getting kids into college, I am horrible at social media. Uh, <laughs> so all of those social media things are, are still coming for the nonprofit. Um, but we do have an email. Uh, you can reach me at Zachariah at Education Excellence Initiative dot org um that is actually the best way because then i can connect with you i can connect with your student if you are a student i'm gonna apologize now because i'm gonna hammer with you with questions to figure out your future um but that's my direct direct email and that's where you get everything 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 i give away the farm definitely 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 
for sure. It was a pleasure to have you on, uh, folks uh, there as well, too, um, for having you on. You definitely got to have you back as a returning guest. There's no doubt about that there. Um, got to give me some some places to go to Colorado, too, man. I can't Ooh, forget. buddy. I uh, So, like, there's Aspen, Vail. My favorite place, I love Fort Collins. Uh, Boulder was our rival, and so I consider Boulder to still be dirty hippies. Um, I won't say the rest of that quote because it's inappropriate, but, um, anywhere in Colorado, man, anywhere you can swing by South park and drive through it five times trying to find it. Yeah, no doubt <laughs> about that there for sure. Uh, not at all. It's a pleasure to have you on here. I know you're on a crunch time, a pleasure to have you back and, and, and some, but folks, when we come back, we're going to go ahead and we're our third and final segment here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show as we wrap up this week's episode. Do not go anywhere. And we are back here with segment three of the Sebi Podcast Show. I'm your host, Mike, here with Tyrell. Segment three, we are here with, we're going to talk some NFL, some of the free agency moves. Tyrell's a lot of moves being made in, uh, so far this, in, during this free agency since everything's kicked off. Uh, what were some moves that stood out to you? Um, well, you know, I I, I want to uh, just fa- do a little favoritism and, and say that I love <laughs> that Darren Waller move. I think mm-hmm. it's... It's excellent for anybody that got that uh, got question marks about uh, you know Daniel Jones being a, a, a deep uh, you know deep threat down the field. Just ask them what uh, what that man in Baltimore does for Lamar Jackson because we want to we'll get some of that same love, that some of that same action. So um, I really like that. Uh, I would I would say I, I will say that there it was more like losses. Like I'm surprised that a lot of people were let go more than like where they were picked up. You know, mm-hmm. the Eagles lost a lot of people as well. You know, uh, and they just lost uh, Gardner Minshew, even though they secured uh, James Bradbury. They just lo- lost not Gardner Minshew. I forget. I, uh, I forget how you say it, but uh, he just signed with the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it, yeah the 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 amount of losses that that teams took uh that's that's more so where I I would stand on it because even uh, I mean the the Rams gave away Jalen Ramsey for a third round pick you know they're about to lose they lost uh, their kicker and I and I and I feel like this era kickers are are like valuable now more than ever so it's, yeah, vital. it's people going for sure <clears throat> yeah they vital they vital I um. I would yeah I, yeah I would agree I, I I believe it's a couple of teams that definitely lost some I think the Philadelphia Eagles have lost some uh, some key pieces um, I do believe they signed some other pieces as well they've def- definitely kept their secondary intact um, but I do believe there's some there's some teams in the division that got better the Cowboys got better uh, if you yeah. ask me uh, this is a team that added Stephon Gilmore this is a team mm-hmm. that um that got rid of Zeke and they they've 
They franchise tag Tony Pollard. I think they're gonna do something with that at some point. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 to be honest with you, I, I like the move with Daniel Jones. I'm gonna address your New York Giants pick. I like the move with um Darren Waller because I think this is the first step in the process of, make, of taking care of Daniel Jones and giving him the weapons that he needs in order mm-hmm. to succeed. He showed you what he can do last year with no number one receiver. Um, um, playing the way he did, not turning the ball over. I think that was the biggest key. Uh, the turnover, the, the the touchdown number isn't as uh, glaring, but to me, the fact that he didn't throw that many interceptions this year, I think that's the biggest key uh, to the whole thing, and it really put us in the position that we were in. And then you saw what he did in that game against Minnesota, dropping dimes. So uh, now, now this is the first step in the process of getting him the weapons that he needs now that you've invested in him long term. So I do believe that more moves will be made uh, as far as receivers and weapons uh, uh, are concerned uh, to make sure that Daniel Jones has the requisite help, and then we'll be able to. I, I, I do. I'm interested to see what they we do with Saquon Barkley. Uh, that's that's what I'm interested to see because yes, he got the franchise tag, but you know, Giants Nation, you know, we want him. We want him in there. We don't want to let go of him. We already lost Odell uh, when he was playing at playing at a high level. I would hate to lose Saquon Barkley playing at a high level as well. So. To me, the New York Giants got to figure that out somehow, some way, and get that done. Um, I expect Dexter Lawrence to be signed, re-signed as well. Yeah, that um, that I mean, it's expected in a league like this because the quarterback position is much more valuable. But uh, I just kind of wanted the the Giants to make a statement, like you know, I, I feel like everybody uh agrees that. Uh, Saquon is the heart and soul, like you know, of the of the team, and and paying him that money would have, you know, would have solidified that. Where we can, you know, if if the organization has trust in a running back, then I know, like you know, even in a, even though it's a business, I know they'll look out for me. So, mm. but they took the, you know, they took the safe route, which is the best route to take. You know, franchise quarterbacks do not grow on trees. Yeah, I believe. I also believe the Kansas City got a steal as well. I think I believe that the offensive tackle they got Jawan Taylor signing mm-hmm. him to the four year eighty million dollar deal that they did. I think that's big because he's he's a very good player. He's a very good offensive lineman. Very good. Moves his feet well. Um I, I like I like I like him a lot. So I think Kansas City beef buffered up their offensive line coming off the Super Bowl chip, adding with already having Orlando Brown. You know, you they got the brother from the from the Raiders a couple years ago, uh their guard or simile, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Um, they picked him up a while back, so it's just you add you add more pieces to this team, to, to this offensive lineman, to this offensive rivals, to make sure that Patrick Mahomes is upright and and up well for these years that you've invested in him. I think that's the biggest one of the, one of the biggest signings of the um, of the offseason, along along with uh, Hargraves to the 49ers. I think that was a big big signing as well. Him leaving Philly and adding even more depth to that uh, defensive line in San Francisco. I think that's a big piece. Yeah, there was a. Uh, what did you What did you think about? Uh, I mean, he's in the headlines all the time. But what did you think about? Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers in that New York Jets situation, and how how funny it is that it seemed like if you're a uh, a long timer in Green Bay, the best thing to do is to go to the Jets. <laughs> like, you know, when you're trying to switch it up a little bit, that's because that's what uh, Brett Favre did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I didn't even – it was so crazy as I still haven't seen the interview with Aaron Rodgers yet uh, where he was talking to Pat McAfee that everybody's talking about. I haven't gotten a chance to tap into it, but I, but I will say that 
Uh, it would be an interesting move. If he does make his way over to New York, it would be an interesting move. Because um, I, I, I actually believe he, he could he could have some success over there. Um, mm-hmm. it's gonna be first of all, it's gonna be it's gonna buffer that division up even more. You know what the Miami Dolphins are doing over there? They're loading up, they're making things happen. So for the New York Jets, Jets to be able to get their hands on Aaron Rodgers in a situation that they're in now with the defense that they have, uh, that would that would be that would be very interesting, and in, not only in the league but within that division. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but Buffalo Which obviously doing their thing as of lately. Uh, yeah, it's been very been very competitive. So the the New England Patriots. They, they they would be almost the eyeball out by default if Aaron Rodgers was to come there. It would be interesting to see. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Because to me, Aaron Rodgers is one of those players that he's at peace with wherever you might have him in your head. Like he's one of those guys. To me, is like to me, he's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. He to me, he's he's I believe he's universally in everybody's top ten. Um, maybe even your top five. Mm-hmm. You know, so so he he's he's one of those guys that he's going to be in that conversation, and he's at peace with that, and he knows that, you know, sometimes there's situations that fall into my fall into play where, you know, I I didn't perform well and I didn't live up to my expectation, and sometimes the cards weren't dealt in my favor, and I and I couldn't even control the situation. It just it just is what it is, you know. So he's at peace with that situation. He's at peace where he is now, and um, I think him going to the New York Jets, I think he's in a great spike space right now to take on that New York media. You know, if he was going to take him on and really handle everything as far as, you know, from the outside perspective uh, and playing on the field, I, I think this is the perfect – he's in the perfect headspace for it. Yeah. No, definitely. It's uh, it's funny. It seems like the NFL does a better job on, like, not making the league so lopsided. You know, in, mm. in, uh, in the NBA, I feel like, uh, you know, it's the minute Aaron Rodgers say he went out – it's almost like guaranteed that no matter what, if they don't do it today, at some point, you know, they'll they'll trade that player in the NBA. But it's this this has really been, you know, it's been a discussion for almost three years now, if I'm not mistaken. Like you know, will yeah. he or won't? Right. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. they definitely do better to keep balance in the league, you know, because I I, yeah. N- yeah, I, nah. I, I I thought it was a legitimate possibility he was going to the Raiders. The, right, right, right. No, seriously, seriously. I mean, I don't, I don't mind uh, Jimmy G there, but it's like, you know, that would have been way better. Yeah, yeah. I see, I see what you're saying. NFL wise, it, it's competitive balance all along the way. I, I believe there's competitive balance, um, to some degree in the NBA as well, but it's much more well rounded <laughs> in, in, in the NFL. And the NFL, the NFL has their their vices and their problems as well, as far as rules and stuff like that. That, but that. That hamper defense the same way it hampers the NBA. You know, the, the hand checker rule was taken out years ago. So, offense offense is catered to in the NFL just the way it is in the NBA. You know, they they, they want to see points on the board, and defenders can't even hit anymore as much as they used to, or tackle the same way, and you know can't touch the quarterback and things like that. So they have their own vices as well on that side. But all in all, from a totality perspective, I do agree the competitive balance is much further, and the viewership shows it. No matter mm-hmm. what the situation is, the viewership seems to always lean towards the NFL <clears throat> because mm-hmm. even on Christmas, university recognized Christmas is basketball day. Thanksgiving, we play football. Christmas, we play basketball. This year, they mixed it up. They even threw some NFL games in there. The NFL ratings sometimes tripled the the, the amount of ratings that the basketball games had on their day. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so it's just 
people want to see the good football. They want to see that. So even in today's league, when the where the, where the rules are different, there's still that element of entertainment, and and people want to see that of high level entertainment uh, from a collision perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was one of those uh, those NBA fools who decided to turn on basketball instead of football on Christmas and watch my team lose. So, <laughs> like, mm. man. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely been it's it's been. I mean, in the the la- the past season that just happened, just you know, it, it's the the league has been getting better. I feel like over the last few years, but. Man, last year was just so incredible. And then to see uh, someone like, Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes do what he did with, you know, having an injury and everything like that, it really just showed you toughness of the league. Yep. So did. So did, man. So did. I'm very intrigued uh, with everything going on. So it's, um, man, the NFL, the NFL is going to be interesting this year. It's going to be very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of storylines, um, a lot of things to poke at. So uh, the NFL, interesting. Lamar Jackson still hasn't gotten his long-term deal, and uh, we'll see where that situation goes. Because not only does he still not have a long-term deal, they still don't have a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. So, so this is my thing: if you're going to keep him, why not invest around him? But if you're not going to invest around him, why is he still in the organization? You know, mm-hmm. so so it's a, it's a double-edged sword for me because um, I'm trying to see what what's going on, what's going to happen with Lamar. And um, the, this is this is a this is a very big year to me if he ends up staying with the Ravens because if he's because because I'm not gonna lie to you they haven't made any moves to get no type guys mm-hmm. and um, almost as if they're preparing for him to leave. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I so I, I do believe it's gonna be interesting to see where he ends up. And I think it's a high possibility he is going to going to be traded and going to be gone somewhere else. And wherever he goes, he's gonna get paid top dollar. I, I don't know if you saw I, – I think I was uh, just scrolling on Twitter and I might have saw uh, something about uh, Indianapolis having interest in him, which a team that hasn't been bad over the last few years, but they have been missing that quarterback. That's very interesting because that, that, that's been one of the teams that I'm looking at where I'm saying he actually could make some noise over there. He, mm-hmm. can, make, he can make some things shake. And um, it would be interesting to see. I don't. I I would. I would be. I would be almost shocked if it happens. But it does make sense in a way. He it does. If, it does make sense. If he was to go there, do the Colts lock up that division? Because I think it's what the Texas, the Jacksonville Texas, Jaguars, the Jaguars. Texans, and the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. No, nah, because you still got Tennessee, and in the regular season, Tennessee still knows how to boogie. So yeah. I don't think they lock it up all the way. But I do think they compete with Tennessee for that division 100 percent Mm-hmm. Which he if uh you know, like sometimes I, I feel like especially, you know, for teens, but you know, as far as like quarterback success go, he hasn't really uh dominated that AFC North. Like, you know, I think Joe Burrow has been, you know, the winner of the a- AFC North the last what two years. And then he mm-hmm. never got uh that victory over Big Ben. So it's like, you know. Uh, Tom Brady was fortunate enough to be in the AFC East when it when it wasn't competing like it was. And then even when he left, there was always a chance to get into the playoffs because the NFC South was just so bad. You know, so sometimes being in uh, divisions like that, it, it just does better for your success. I mean, in a situation where, you know, they they uh, sidelined him, 
if you playing in a weak division, you might make it to the playoffs anyway. And you can kind of, you know, like how the Eagles did uh, with Jalen Hurts. They didn't play him in, in, until it was time, which was the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fact. That's a fact, man. Shout out to Jalen Hurts. He's a good brother. <laughs> no doubt, man. Um, I'll get to my closing arguments of this. Um, this is the part of the show where, where I ended off with my closing argument. And for my closing argument, I want to I want to shift gears to the NBA type of, and I want to talk about this MVP race and some inconsistencies I feel like I see within um, mainstream media and how it's being covered and things of that nature. I remember when Jack, when Giannis Antetokounmpo won two straight MVPs, the mainstream media said he cannot win another MVP until he wins the championship. Mm-hmm. I don't see the same energy being uh, afforded to Nikola Jokic. I understand Nikola Jokic has been without Jamal Murray in the playoffs these last two years. I understand that. However, I just don't see a scenario where it's like, given that this this really reminds me of a situation like the Steve Nash situation when he won his back-to-back MVPs, and then the third year, they wanted to give it to him because that was the year they actually he actually deserved it. Last year, <laughs> last year, you know, as a sixth seed, I, it was kind of surprising to see Jokic get the MVP last season over some of the top guys in the league, like Embiid and others. Um, but, but but they ended up giving it to him. So 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 this year, the, this year, this is the year that he's actually you know, made a legit case for himself in, in a lot of ways. You know, he's number one seed, got the team winning, got his troops back and stuff like that. So it's one of those situations right now where it's like it's a little iffy and it's, and it's – I just don't see the same energy afforded to him. I don't see it. Yeah. I, I believe that's, there's some inconsistencies in how it's being covered with him versus how Giannis was covered, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, well, we we might we might be saying the same thing, but uh, I just don't think that Jokic has to work as hard for his MVP narrative. You know, Embiid had to go through the uh, trials and tribulations of is he serious about basketball or not? Like, you know, we we know about him, you know, when they had when they was like literally filming him, you know, eating before a game. Like, that's not something that players do. But he was judged about the type of meal, you know, his diet. So he's had all of these. He's I, I feel like he's never been the people's champ. You know, and and Jokic doesn't really have to work that hard on his narrative. So once you've won the narrative for the MVP story, the race, especially if you're playing well, the race becomes uh, it, it just comes a whole lot uh, a whole lot easier. Easier, I, I agree. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't see him going for a third one, honestly, because I mean, if if you are a cult, you know, if you're a fan of the culture of NBA, and then if you're a fan of like NBA Twitter, the way that uh, he got ran out, you know, I mean, they ran circles around him in Golden State, like you know what I mean, and that's that's. That's not really something you want to see from a two-time MVP. Even when when Giannis, you know, uh, took took his fall, you just knew that his game, you know, uh, his overall game just wasn't enough to to carry them over the hump, and they kind of needed uh, Chris Middleton. I like they they they'll always be able to push it. You know what I mean? But I I could I can't see a a third a third MVP and. 
the expectations are supposed to be changing. Like, you know, so he just, his narrative might just be so easy to write that it seems like every year he's in the conversation. But once you, you know, once things start tightening down and and, and you actually got to contend, you know, the, they'll put those numbers with Embiid and, and put it right next to Jokic. And then you're just going to have to go off of who is, advancing you know the furthest like which is which is common sense common knowledge like you know but it's not always practiced and at this Mm -hmm. point it's it's too far it's too far into both of their careers as far as like what people have what they've both been doing statistically to even if you have to give them the pity mvp then so be it but being uh you know a little bit um underestimated is just part of uh mb's journey yeah i agree that's a that's a beautiful assessment. That's a beautiful on that. And on that note, we will close out the show with that. Tyrell, I appreciate you coming on. I know it was a last minute thing, but I appreciate you coming on, giving your basketball knowledge, and uh, and really bringing your energy uh, to the platform. Man, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir, man. And we will wrap things up with uh, this episode here with the Sebi Podcast Show. I'm your host, Mike. This is Tyrell, and uh, and we're out. We'll see you next time. All right. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and, frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, The Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.